Hey, Vikings fans, number 96, Brian Robinson is bringing NYC's cheesiest food stand to U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit Mack Truck Mac and Cheese on Minnesota Vikings game days for a new game time snack. This is a roster that already had plenty of talent and just perhaps managing better in in those crucial moments can make quite a big difference, which has been really interesting to see as Kevin O'Connell has kind of maneuvered all of that. And uh, he looks over to his left when he's sitting down and Bill Belichick is taking notes and he's like, what is Bill Belichick doing? But Bill (laughs) Belichick is like actually drawing pictures of plays. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast as we try to erase what happened on Sunday and look ahead to Thanksgiving. I'm Tatum Everett alongside Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson, and producer Eric Davidson. And guys, that was a tough one. Huge loss to the Cowboys at home. Several players had Coach Kevin O'Connell saying afterwards it just wasn't their brand of football. Yeah. Just wasn't their brand of football. That was my biggest takeaway. It just doesn't fit what we've seen so far this year. Even in the the loss earlier this season, it didn't feel like it was just a complete, utter domination, you know. And and so I think that was what was so hard to to feel like you you finally had a, you know, another quality opponent here. And to just go out and lay an egg like that just felt horrible. So even at halftime, you're sitting there going, all right, you better kick it in. You guys have been able to do that so far this season. And and just the way the Cowboys kept the, the foot on the throttle, it was it was it was very demoralizing. Yeah, yeah. I think what Kirk got pressured sixty three percent of all of his pass drops yesterday. So, I mean, with only one turnover and he only scored three points and you give up forty, um, that that just wasn't. It's not acceptable, but it just wasn't fun to watch. I, even if we were up forty to three. It just wasn't fun to watch. So it would have been more uh, fun. Yeah, it would have been more fun. Yeah, you're right. But yesterday it would have been more fun. It just but felt I like a preseason game. Yeah, yeah, it did. But I mean, at the same time, like if it would have been forty to three, it would have been fun. It wouldn't have been that like cardiac, like <gasps> you know. And and there was a time in the third quarter. I was like, okay, like if they did come back in this, like that'd be fine. I could see that. Tony Pollard, though. Ugh. He's yeah, he's the man, man. He is on my fantasy team. I I benched him yesterday. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I've had Tony Pollard on my fantasy team for the last two years. Yeah. Not that I'm like the you know a coach who can scheme up things, but I know what Tony Pollard can do. <laughs> he's fantastic. Yeah. So, so did yeah. Eric. So did Eric Davis, and I feel like Eric Davidson always has the <laughs> people you, who has the most fantasy. Did you points. trade for him this week or something? He no. Okay, because he's the yeah. You guys remember <laughs> Eric traded the Joe week before Mixon. Joe Mixon went off for fifty. So. Uh, no, but but yeah, Tony Pollard, I've, I've always thought that he, like, I personally like his versatility better than I like Zeke. I understand Zeke kind of, you know, he does fall forward. He gets the extra yards, but I've always liked Tony Pollard. And I was a little nervous about that because of the way that he opens up the game. Like, you can get the pressure on Dak, but Dak can just dump it to Tony and then he's off to the races. Yeah, that's, um. they, they have arguably a top five one-two punch in the NFL because of how they balance each other out. And uh, just watching the Cowboys my entire life and seeing how Zeke's, I guess, athleticism has kind of declined. Um, the fact that he's kind of accepted his role of being that power back and letting yeah. Tony uh, be that speedster and a guy that can put his foot in the ground and, I mean, run for 60 or yeah. run for 35 like he did mon- Sunday night. Um, that's what makes that Cowboys team that much more better. So we, we didn't do a good job of stopping him. But they, they have some really good guys on their, their team also. I always say, you know, the guys on the other side get paid too. For sure. So you sometimes you just have to live with it, just not 40 to 3. And there were motivation, you know, defensively on, on the Dallas side with ex-Vikings on that team between Curse and, and you yeah. know, George and just 
the way that it felt like even with the drawing that happened between George and, and Delvin and you just kind of could tell there was a little extra there and even uh, J-Ron doing a little skull clap after he uh, had that, that uh, backfield tackle, you could tell those guys were really wanting to put it on there. And I think here's the other thing too, think about the game that they had played the week before at Green Bay, getting kind of embarrassed there at the end of the game and, and just there had to be that terrible taste in their mouth like we have right now. And, and that's, uh, you know, something that I, I felt like you were definitely going to get the Cowboys best game. But to feel like it went from, you know, the highs of the previous week to a 40 to three beating like that, that was something that just didn't feel like it was going to happen. And I think on top of that, Anthony Barr, who got ruled out right before the game that he wasn't going to play. I mean, I'm just thinking about Harrison Phillips mic'd up uh, last week right before he played the Bills in the huddle. He was telling all the defensive linemen. Hey, play this game for me. Like, yeah. win this game for me. And I can only imagine Anthony Barr said the same thing to the Dallas Cowboys of like, hey, this is the team that that said I wasn't good enough to come back. Yeah. Win this game for me. I mean, Anthony Barr just there. There was a chip on his shoulder, and you can tell just being on the sideline that that the the Cowboys had something to prove last night. Sure. So, the the best thing about Sunday's loss is the fact that we have four days until the next game. So kind of get this thing out, flush it, fix it, get ready for Sunday, get ready for Thursday. Yeah. When I talked to Adam Thielen after the game, I thought he, you know, he was very candid and just said, you know, we got kicked in the face today, but he said it might be a good thing. It might be a good thing that this happened because it is kind of like a shock to the system. You pull off one of the most incredible regular season wins in recent history, and then you come out here and lay an absolute egg, but you only have three, four days to get ready for the next one to try and bounce back. There are other teams out there who have won Super Bowls who have had games like this. Um, yeah. I know I know. we were talking before the podcast that it happened to the Saints on their Super Bowl run. Um, it's week 11, week Rams 15. The Rams, had, the Rams didn't win in November. Yeah. Like There's just a lot to say about teams that can learn from these mistakes and bounce back and come back. And so I know we said this, I think a couple of times this season already, but like, this is a really like uh season defining stretch and time for them. Can they come back against the Patriots, the Jets? They're sneaky, but I do think that they're definitely beatable. You have them at home. You have the Colts. Like there, there's definitely a path to continue Um, to continue on like this. At the end of the day, you're still eight and two. You still have a hold of the NFC North. And, um, and the Packers lost. And the Packers lost. So we're one and one this week. <laughs> but the thing about two and one, if we went on Thursday, yeah, that's the thing. Is is I think if you do turn around and keep playing the way you have been against a Patriots team like this on Thursday, then I think people will feel like, yeah, you're right at the ship. I think if you go out and lay another egg and defensively they they come after you and and it just feels like all of a sudden like it doesn't feel right, then you're going to see a lot more people going from the it's one game to starting to smash the panic button a little bit more publicly. But I personally feel like we have seen the makeup of this team so far this season. And I do not feel like what happened on Sunday night is going to be just kind of glossed over. I think there's going to be a little bit of a hell to pay come Thursday night. We certainly hope for the best to turn around on Thursday. But before we get to previewing this Patriots Vikings matchup with our podcast guest, Chad Graff of The Athletic, who used to cover the Vikings. Let's get to our 3M play of the week. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com backslash school science to learn more. On this catch in the Vikings game, receiver Adam Thielen surpassed Jake Reed for fourth all-time in yardage as a Vikings receiver. 
Vikings 0-1 on third down. Diggs tracking Jefferson, who heads to the right in front of Cousins, who boots out to the left out of the shotgun, throws on third down, caught first down. Adam Thielen at the 14, right by the boundary. And Kirk is like, all right, seven can play a little bit. Let me find this nickel, Duran Bland, the rookie from uh, Fresno State, and make him look as spicy as his last name. It was an 11-yard catch, first down. Guys, it was also the Vikings' sole third down conversion in the game. Couldn't all be good, right? You, you have to say I that. Did. I have to that, say that. that 3M is making me. No, I'm kidding. It is the 3M <laughs> play of the are. week. <laughs> the official <laughs> science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, you know, it was a tough call this week. Thanks to Jay for the uh, save on that one. I was like, can't pick a field goal. I was almost like, should we just do the Tony Pollard touchdown? Because that was when the dagger was in the game. But, you know, I'm glad you saved us with a nice Adam Thielen twist to it. Yeah, I think about the fact that, you know, as Adam has talked about how many times growing up as a kid in Minnesota during that kind of 98-ish era and knowing what those kind of players have meant to him as a kid and now kind of living out his dream here with the Minnesota Vikings. The fact that he passed a guy like Jake Reed is something huge, and he's basically just behind Chris Carter Moss and Anthony Carter uh, on the list. And so I think that moment, you know, we were kind of citing that even going into the game of if this happens, then he's going to get to that milestone. And when he did, you know, I think it was a great thing on our end just to be able to sit there and recognize the fact that, his improbable journey has now led him to, at the current time, fourth all-time in Vikings history, and I think it's pretty special and something that should be celebrated. For sure. His story is definitely going to be one that Vikings fans will remember forever. He'll have a long career after this being on our media content series, and hmm, maybe he'll even join VEN at some point. He's great. At, he's a great personality to have on air. He said he wants to do it. He said he, he said he wants to be in the media once he gets done playing. I can see that. He has the personality for it. Yeah, he'll he'll be fine. Open Man. door policy to be able to come in for an MVP podcast guest, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And let's take a look at the division now. The Lions win their third straight with a 31-18 to 18 victory over the Giants. Guys, the Lions, are they for reals? They're starting to finally figure it out. <laughs> I that's think, a great point. But that's the thing. Like, they're starting to finally figure it out. Like, yeah. you saw all of the positivity and the hope and the hype uh, from hard knocks and everything from training camp. And the one thing that you understood was Dan Campbell as a coach was going to sit there and put everything he could to f- make this right and to fix it for them to start the way that they did and defensively to just be as as uh, struggling as much as they did. Um, for them to finally all of a sudden start ripping off 31 points on offense. And then on this one, you know, holding a Giants team that had been doing pretty well to only 18 points defensively, that's where the difference was. They were scoring points before, but defensively, you know, them being able to to hold an opponent under 20 points is a huge deal. Yeah, Yeah. Saquon Barkley only rushed for 22 yards. A lot of fantasy owners out there had their hopes up on getting those double digits, and they didn't. Yeah, I think, yeah, what, 15 carries also? So yeah, that, 15 that carries. I mean, their their definition of their team is grit. Yeah. Like, that, that's all grit is, stopping the run. So, like Jay said, I think they're figuring it out. I yeah. don't think they're the most talented team, but they're, they play within their means. Yeah, I think that we got them at a good time in the beginning of the season, and I think that even though it's a close one and it has always felt like it's been close with every team, basically, except for two, uh, or three. Um, it's definitely giving me a little bit of worry as we head down the stretch here. They're a squad that we have typically in years past struggled against, especially at Detroit. Like they have given us fits even in seasons where we've we've been playing well. For whatever reason, Detroit has given us fits. And so, yeah, now that they're 
on this path if, if all of a sudden they now have some tendencies that they're going to show and coaches have some chances to kind of go through and scheme for whatever they're currently doing now to fix their their issues. Um, that'll still we still got a couple weeks yet before we face them. But if if they continue on this path and they're finally figuring it out and, and getting some confidence on their end, yeah, they're they're not going to be a cakewalk. They're going to be a team that we're going to have to fight through in Detroit. The game at Detroit last year reminds me of the game last night. Um, just how deflating it was. Like the Detroit Lions, when we played them last year, what, 0-11, 0-12, and then we lost to them on the last play of the game. And then we had the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday night, and it was like, oh, my gosh, we just gave up this terrible loss. And then the Vikings offense just came out the first half of that Pittsburgh Steelers game on Thursday, and just it was was lights out. So I, I hope that is a testament of what this week can be for this Minnesota Vikings team against this New England Patriots team because I I do think the only team right now we have to worry about in the division is the Detroit Lions. So hopefully that is a a symbolism of of what is to come for this Minnesota Vikings team. Wow, who'd have thought? Yeah. I mean, a lot of preseason predictions. People were really high on the Lions after their hard knocks. People were also very high on the Green Bay Packers, who are now 4-7. and They lost on Thursday to the Titans, 27-17. You know, um... You thought maybe that they kind of could figure it out after the overtime win. You're like, oh well, maybe this is their their comeback hour. But uh, it didn't. It, they they fell short. Obviously, the only bright spot really was um, Christian Watson kind of flashing on the scene. The last yeah. couple of weeks, he's been playing like a yeah, player. Yeah, if you possessed. owned him, that's yeah. a good. That's sorry, everything goes back to fantasy for me. <laughs> but with but here's the thing with Watson though. If you remember that first week, you know he had the first wide the open game. drop yeah. uh, against us, and that kind of set the tone for that game. Once they dropped that ball. He's now leading all rookies, I believe, in touchdown receptions, and it's basically he's, he's been catching touchdowns for the last three weeks. So he's had five touchdowns in two games. Yeah, so he's somebody that I think that you know if Rodgers has been looking for somebody that he can really focus on and be, become a integral part of that offense. The kid's got some speed, and he's now showing you know he's got the ability to make some moves and, and score some touchdowns, and so that's something that at least they can hang their hat on. I just hope he keeps dropping the ball too. I think he had like four drops in the past two weeks, also. So. Continue that on January 1st, Christian Watson. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's the, he's the, you know, honestly kind of the epitome of, of a boomer bust type player where when he's on, you know, he can definitely be a huge part of that offense. But if you're dropping passes, that's the quickest way to get yourself in the doghouse on that offense. Especially with uh, Sir Aaron Rodgers sure. under center. Bears drop another one, 27-24 to the Falcons, 3-8 and eight on the season. Okay. I've just never seen a team that can put up such good numbers. And then just consistently lose. Are we over this whole Justin Fields type now? Because like every week is like Justin Fields break this record or he's showing promise, but they keep losing. So their like, defense is bad because they're selling all their parts away. But it's a win. It, like I get it, but it's like you lost. So like let's stop making this Bears game a win. Well, I think they're just asking him to prove himself, and he's really proving himself. Yeah. So if they can build things around him. Like if he was doing really bad right now, then you're like, okay, he has no future here. Then it's completely blow up the entire roster. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so the hard part for them was that they had gone all in on defensively financially. You know, when they they the Bears traditionally have had top tier defense trying to figure out, you know, essentially since Jay Cutler, what do we got at quarterback? And they took a chance on this kid. They blew up the front office. They blew up the coaching. And they're like, we're putting our eggs in this kid's basket to see what he's going to do this season because if he's not it and there's this giant quarterback draft coming next year, we got to figure out if we need to move on from this guy or not. And he he has shown that he has the physical talents to get it done. But, you know, there are other ways that the Bears have been finding ways to lose. Like the fact that Cordero Patterson hit the NFL return record in touchdowns yesterday with a 103-yard return. 
And and that was the thing. The Bears had the lead, but they could not hold on to it. And when uh, Flash basically hit that that kick return touchdown, that was the spark for the Atlanta Falcons to make that comeback. And so the Bears are, again, probably the the prototype of a uh, younger team trying to figure it out. And if, if a guy like Justin Fields can show that he is the guy they should rally around for the future, then, you know, this season is going to be, quote unquote, a lost season. But it's going to be something where they're going to figure out what they have personnel wise for their future. Definitely just a totally different situation than what the Vikings have found themselves in, which, you know, the the two programs just drew so many comparisons with the whole front office. New GM, new coach. New GM, new coach. And then here we are. They, I mean, the Bears didn't let Ryan Poles leave leave their office when he was going through his, um, I guess, interview carousel. I guess he he had the Vikings next yep. on his interview carousel. So, I mean, a lot of fans are like saying, what if, like, what if, what if this would have happened or what if that would have happened? But I, I like the way the Vikings sit right now. I know this isn't the, the most upbeat podcast, but the fact that we're <laughs> sitting here eight and two and uh, the Chicago Bears are, you know, tied for, you know, second overall draft pick in the 2023 NFL draft. I'm, I, I like our chances on what we can continue to do as a team. And as we continue to look forward, up next is the Patriots on Thanksgiving night. And here to get us ready for the Thanksgiving game is Chad Graff with The Athletic. And now let's welcome in our guest to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, an old friend who used to cover the Vikings for The Athletic, now covering the Patriots for The Athletic. It's Chad Graff, who is going to be back in Minnesota on Thursday. Welcome, Chad. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. It's good to hear from you. It's uh, it's good to be back. I think, you know, for these holiday ones, most of the beat writers aren't exactly looking forward to it. I think I'm the only one here in New England that's actually looking forward to coming back and, and spending the holiday there. I think the real question is, do you just go back to your old house and just reset your table for Thanksgiving and <laughs> uh, have yeah. your family in and do it like that? Or how do, how do you do it? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I probably left some dishes behind, but there's, there's something that I can clean up too. Uh, it's it's going to be a little bit weird, I think, but but mostly fun. I'm, I'm and just fun to see everybody, um, you know, and kind of see firsthand this team that has kind of taken taken the rest of the league by storm. Yeah, it's interesting because I think obviously last season when you covered them, it was six of eight losses in uh, close games or one one score games, and now you've got this team that. Previously to the routing on Sunday, it was seven straight. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of incredible the way this coaching staff has turned things around as far as the team in close situations. What have you observed from afar? Well, it's been interesting on two notes because one, you guys know how it is where when you come up from the press box locker room, um, you're kind of checking some of the scores afterward. And the number of times this season I've looked and like, wow, they won another close one. They won another close one. Or you go down to the locker room, catch that the Vikings are losing with five minutes left and come back up. Oh, they won. So it's been interesting to see them win the kind of games that for the five or so years that I covered them, they really didn't win many of or, or struggled to even get over 500. And I think that is where I've been most impressed with Kevin O'Connell and the job that he's done is I'll admit I was skeptical when he was hired, not in his abilities or his charisma, which I think are obvious from the start, but I was skeptical that a coach could make that much of a difference in one score games. And it's not like Mike Zimmer was a bad coach. Um, And yet I think just seeing that the culture that Kevin O'Connell has brought, seeing the 
game management style. It's shown that this is a roster that already had plenty of talent and just perhaps managing better in, in those crucial moments and, and those late games can make quite a big difference, which has been really interesting to see as Kevin O'Connell has kind of maneuvered all of that. How do you see that, you know, shaking out on Sunday when a story that comes to mind is Kevin O'Connell, his first owner's meeting this year, and he said it's he was in the head coach's meeting. He was like, man, this is weird. And uh, he looks over to his left when he's sitting down and Bill Belichick is taking notes. And it's like, what is Bill Belichick doing? But Bill <laughs> Belichick is like actually drawing pictures of plays. So like, how do you see this going, shaking out on Sunday with a young head coach who's still trying to figure it out versus uh, a Bill Belichick who, you know, is going to be a, a Hall of Famer someday? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I was just listening back to the last interview that I did before leaving Minnesota, which was with Kevin O'Connell talking about Bill Belichick for this week, basically. And he was a third round pick to the New England Patriots, went there as the third string quarterback. This is 2008 when Tom Brady is coming off of the best season of his career, the year with Randy Moss where they broke every record. And he was like, I'm just going to be a red shirt guy, basically. I'm the third string. I don't matter. I can watch all of this. And then Tom Brady tears his ACL week one. And suddenly he's working with Matt Castle and Basically, he was saying, went from an afterthought to sitting in Bill Belichick's office, breaking down film with him, thinking like, man, I was at San Diego State a year ago, and now I'm sitting with Bill Belichick going through everything. And he said it blew him away how good Bill Belichick was situationally and how much emphasis he put there of not just third down and red zone, but how detailed he was of, hey, on second and medium, this is what they do over and over. And and then, you know, they get to game time. And sure enough, if Bill Belichick said on this play in this situation from this hash mark, they're going to be doing this. Sure enough, that team was doing that. So it'll be interesting to see, um, I think, how these two teams match up, not just from the coaching standpoint, but also from what the coaches are good at. Like Bill Belichick, of course, is good at many things, special teams. Um, he's had some of the most prolific offenses too, but at his roots, he's a defensive guy. At his roots, Kevin O'Connell is an offensive guy. And when you look at these strengths, the Patriots, no doubt, couldn't be more explicit. Uh, their defense is very good. Their offense is very bad. And, uh, and of course, I think you'd say that the Vikings' offense is their strength. So what does Bill Belichick do to try to mitigate this Vikings' offense is interesting, especially since Bill Belichick, what he always does or what he always tries to do is take away your best weapon. And I know 10 teams before them have tried to take away Justin Jefferson, mostly without success, but that has got to be, I think, the Patriots' number one focus uh, coming into this Thanksgiving game. It was already a little intimidating facing Bill Belichick on a short week as a first-year head coach, and now you've got a loss, 40-3, to at home against the Cowboys, who also have a very, very good defense. I wonder how much Belichick saw that and, and thinks, you know, I'm seeing what I can take advantage of. What, what do you think, Chad? Well, I think the, the big thing that's jumped out to me kind of looking at this game is the pass rush. Um, I know there's been a ton of talk about Minnesota's offensive line going back several years before any of the three of us ever started covering them. But the Vikings, I think, have some reason for optimism. Christian Darrisaw is putting together an awesome season, and when he comes back, I'm sure he will continue to. But when you look at the Patriots and the Cowboys and how they're built, they rank one and two in pressure rate. Cowboys are one, Patriots in two, and yet neither team blitzes all that much. They're one of the few teams that's able to get home with only four pass rushers. And so I think as Bill Belichick watches that tape last night, this morning, throughout the week, that's got to 
make him pleased watching what the Cowboys were able to do, getting that much pressure on Kirk Cousins without blitzing all that much. I think that's got to be the Patriots' kind of key to success of, yes, you got to take away Justin Jefferson and good luck doing so, but maybe the best way to take him away isn't to necessarily just have cloud coverage or double coverage or whatever you're going to do on the back end, but it's to make sure that you're getting after Kirk Cousins as fast as possible. And maybe the Patriots aren't quite the Cowboys, but uh, they're the second best in the league. And so I think it's a tough task as the Vikings try to replace Christian Derisaw for this one to uh, go up against this Patriots front. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, I would just assume that Matt Judon would be over Blake Brando when it comes to just rushing the passer. But Going back to, you know, Tatum's question, I would honestly think the opposite, right? I mean, you got two teams that haven't scored a touchdown in, in their game this past Sunday. So it's like, why would you even turn on the film of this game where it's just two terrible offenses? Like, do you do you think the Vikings and the Patriots will go back, you know, a week before or I guess for the Vikings, two weeks before when the Indianapolis Colts played the New England Patriots? Possibly, but I think you pick pretty much any game and you, you're not going to see a very good offense from the Patriots. It has been... Uh, surprising to me, shocking really how bad this has been. Uh, Bill Belichick in the offseason brought in Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, both coming off of failed head coaching stints, and handed them the keys. Kind of carte blanche to do whatever they wanted with the offense. This was Josh McDaniels' baby for over a decade. He'd been in New England for a long time, and he, uh, en route to getting the job in Las Vegas with the Raiders, made Mac Jones the best rookie quarterback. He was better than Justin Fields a year ago. He's better than Trevor Lawrence. It, it was looking like Mac Jones was going to be the guy for years and years to come. The Patriots had suddenly found another quarterback. But I think it goes to show how much coaching impacts, not just all of football, but the quarterback position, especially that. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge come in, the offense changes. Mac Jones has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, the worst when pressured. Um, which is something to keep in mind as Zedarius and Danil uh, potentially try to ruin his day. But the Patriots just don't do a lot well offensively. They can run the ball. They've got two good running backs. But offensively, you're not going to find much from the Patriots. They're going to try to beat you 17-10 to 10 in a defensive game, you know, trying to take advantage of field position with the amount of time that Bill Belichick spends on special teams trying to have good punt coverage units, punt units. If the Patriots have their way, this is going to be an ugly, low-scoring game that has the nation kind of full-on turkey, half asleep until the fourth quarter. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was like, prime time, I hope. You know, in this case, though, they can't change the channel on our game. Yeah. Did you hear about that, Chad? That was was tough. Cold-blooded. I was sitting in the press box, and I looked up and thought, oh, Maybe it's on red zone. Maybe I'm confused. <laughs> I, I didn't have the sound on. Uh, sure enough, on Twitter, come to find out what actually happened. Chad, what are you what are you most looking forward to about being back in Minnesota? I mean, of course, we got the game, but it's rare we, you know, in this industry that we get opportunities like this to, you know, go back and cover, well, I guess face a, a former team that we used to cover, especially during the holiday season. Yeah, there's, there's so much that I'm actually looking forward to. I kind of wish it was – uh, a Sunday game because I'd come out earlier and spend more time and everything. But it, it's everything from friends. I, I lived in Minnesota for a decade, um, truly thought we would never leave. It's where we bought our first house, got married, had kids. Like it, It's kind of where we grew up. So I'm excited to see old friends. I'm excited to see old colleagues. Um, I'm excited just to be in Minneapolis. I'm going to go get a burger at Parlor. I'm going to get 
an old-fashioned red cow. I'm going to get uh, a coffee at Spy House. Like, I'm just excited to be back in Minnesota to a place you know, that was so good to, to me and my family. So I'm super excited to be back. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to end on that note because that's yeah. such a great sentiment. We're so excited to have you back as well. Excited to see the Patriots here. A big Thanksgiving night game for the Vikings. Uh, Chad, we'll see you real soon. Have a safe trip out here. Perfect. Thanks a lot. And thanks for having me. Thanks for joining Absolutely. us. That was Chad Graff from The Athletic. Thank you, Chad. Thanks to Chad for taking the time out to come on the show. Obviously, it's a short week for everyone. Up next, your 8-2 and two Vikings return to play the Patriots primetime on Thanksgiving night. And it is a bit of an abbreviated content schedule for us. So, Gabe, why don't you get us going? What do we expect from the Audible this week? Yeah, we got um, no players, but still tune in because we're doing a best of edition. So we filmed 10 episodes of the Audible. If you've listened to all of them or watched all of them, thank you. But if you have not... We will kind of condense it down to some of the greatest moments that we've had thus far this season. So uh, make sure you check that out. It'll be a great Friday night edition of the show. That's right. After the Vikings win, watch your favorite players, talk a little about each other, get to know them better. I think that's the one thing about Audible this year that's been great is that so many of the conversations are about who they are as people. You know, I think that's I think that's the moments that we'll be making the best of. So if you want to highlight real, definitely check it out. Uh, dropping very soon, either about the same time as this podcast or a little bit later, is my network interview with the Pat McAfee Show's Boston Connor, giant Patriots fan. Um, he does, you know, gas them up a whole lot in this interview, but he's quite hilarious. I'm not sure if you guys have been following this, but he has a the whole show has a huge beef with Victor the Viking and they're trolls. He's a troll as in Victor is a troll. And he talks about that. So we just had a ton of fun. He's a great personality. Even talked about us on their uh, show today as, as him doing the interview. So got to got to find, you know, the love from them and uh, check that one out because it's, it's going to be a funny, probably something you haven't really experienced before in our content because, you know. We need to get more clowns on the show. They're funny. It's always good. I mean, anytime you can uh, pair the sports with kind of the the funny side of that kind of stuff, too, it just helps make it lighthearted. Speaking of, Jay, yes. the tailgate's back this week. That is correct. Yeah, we've got Josh Gondelman, who is a gigantic Pat's nut and one of Cy's best friends on the show. He's been circling this one for the entire calendar, nice. saying this is going to be a great one. And he was super excited after the, uh, the recording happened. So we're looking forward to it. That will be a podcast-only version this week because of the game on Thursday night. We're in our normal uh, KFAN on-air schedule, so you're going to have to check out the podcast. But that means you're going to get all the best stuff from that interview. And uh, check it out, Josh Gondelman on the tailgate with Cy, and that will drop Thursday morning. Just got a slack from Aaliyah. Episode three of Chopping It Up is out on Friday. So uh, we got Justin Jefferson, Harrison Smith, and Chris Boyd uh, on in the chairs this week. So uh, make sure you tune in to that also. So, yeah, it'll be fun. That's a heck of a trio. Yeah. And the conversation was great. And I, I know a lot of people will watch it because of J.J. and Harrison Smith. But Chris Boyd stole the show. And the <laughs> as fact he that, always does. As he always does. But uh, J.J. was good also. I think it's a... We'll, we'll see another side of Justin that fans haven't seen before. So Ooh, what be, a tease. It'll be, it'll be good. Nice. All right, guys. Well, like we said, it is a short week. We have a game on Thursday night at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Patriots. These 8-2 and two Vikings ready to shake off what happened on Sunday and improve to 9-2. and two. Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids.